chapter number one. The Bible says in the second year of Darius, the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai, the prophet under Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, saying, say amen if you think that's a long verse. Mm, a lot of names, right? Words matter, right? And let me tell you the first part that matters, the word of the Lord, amen, came by Haggai under Zerubbabel. And that's the way preaching ought to take place. Amen? The word by the preacher under somebody else. The word of the Lord by the preacher to you. Now let's think right. Because before you go to sleep, you better realize who's talking. Before I tune out, I better realize who's going over the waves. The preacher's preaching, but the preachers should be preaching the word of the Lord. Amen. Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye to dwell in your sealed houses, and this, light, this house lie waste? Now, therefore, thus saith the Lord. Say it with me. Say it again. One more time. Now, Father, add thy blessing to the reading of your word. Cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, and fill me with your spirit. I ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. And the Lord's, all God's children said, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Consider your ways. To think deeply. That's what it means. To ponder, to contemplate, to give careful thought, especially with regard to taking some action. How many of you have ever thought about something long and hard and still never did nothing? Now, Haggai says, consider your ways. Thus saith the Lord of hosts. You see that verse number five? Look at it again. Now, therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts. Consider your ways. Now listen to me now. When the preacher says, when your parent says, when somebody important to you says, you need to think about what you're doing, you ought to think. But ladies and gentlemen, when God says consider your ways, we really ought to think. Consider. And he was talking to people who understood how good he'd been to them. He, they knew about his deliverance. They were, they were privy to his faithfulness. They, they had been on the receiving end of his provisions. They, they were blessed by him beyond measure. He, he had redeemed them. He had saved them. He had delivered them. He had gone with them. He had, he had called them. He had sanctified them. He had guided them. They got the Ten Commandments from God. They, they, they got the water from God. They got the manna from God. They got the sweetness and the bitter water from God. They got the pillar of cloud by day from God. They got the pillar of fire by night from God. They got Moses from God. They got Joshua from God. They got the ten plagues from God. They got deliverance from when they couldn't beat Egypt, when they couldn't swim across the Red Sea. God's the one that opened up. Listen, every single once in a while, you need to sit down and go down memory lane and say, he's been good to me. Now, 
consider my ways. This is what he's saying. For 70 years they've been in Babylon, God delivered them again. By the way, he could have left them there. Hey, by the way, the next time you bemoan a tough scenario in your life that you went through in the past, just remember, he could have left you there. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, he could have left you there. Now, you may not have enjoyed it, you may not have liked it, you may not have wished it, you may not have planned it, but how many can give God the praise that he brought you out of it? Come on, let's give God the praise today. He brought you out of it. And if you're honest, the nation of Israel had to say, not only did he let us go into it, but he put us in it because of us. Come on, a whole lot of mess you're in is because of you, because of me. So he brought them out of Babylonian captivity. Where it was, I mean, when they were there, it was absolutely the worst of the worst. No temple, no songs, no, no worship of God. They were threatened. They were tortured. They were troubled. They were tempted. They were tested. They were tried. But God brought them out. God raised up Cyrus to send them home. Now they're back in Jerusalem. They, they can worship in Jerusalem. God's name is lifted up in Jerusalem. The laws of God are to prevail in Jerusalem. And yet they get back to Jerusalem, start building the walls, and then after enemies come... They stop building the walls, and the walls are not finished, and now they get apathetic. The enemies have subsided. They've moved away, and now the people of God, virtually speaking, are sitting down, twiddling their thumbs, doing nothing. The temple's lying waste, and they're doing nothing. And God says, Haggai, go tell them I've been too good to them. I've been too faithful to them for my work not to get done. Now, listen to me now. Today, we're talking about the temple, and there are several ways of application we can look at this. First of all, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Come on now, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Your body, the temple means the dwelling place. Watch this. And when you got saved, God moved in on the inside of you. Amen. Aren't you glad God lives in you? Listen to me. If any man be in Christ, say amen if you're in Christ. But the good news about being a Christian is not just that I'm in Christ, but that Christ is in me. The hope of glory, Colossians says. So I'm a new creature. I'm a new creature. I can't, listen, you can't stay the same when God moves in. I said you can't stay the same when God moves in. You've got to change. He comes and revolutionizes your life. And so your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. So you know what that means? As Israel should have been building the temple, you should be building up your temple. Somebody say amen. You should be, listen, you should be living for God. You should be using your body to serve God. You, you should be using your, your mind to, to think about God. You should be using your hands to serve God and serve others. You should use your feet to take you places that lift up the mighty name of God. Why? He didn't deliver you from sin. He didn't deliver you from hell. He didn't deliver you from misery for you to live for yourself. He delivered you to live for him. But then the temple signifies the work of God, not just the church building itself, but the work of God. In, in practicality, in application, when Haggai says you aren't doing building the temple, for us, that simply means we're not doing the work of God. Listen to, we're not talking about just putting bricks on this building. We're talking, I'm talking about winning souls. I'm talking about serving in a ministry. I'm talking about singing in the choir. I'm talking about working on the bus route. I'm talking about living for God, honoring. I'm talking about being faithful. I'm, I'm talking about living the Christian life different from the world. When I talk about the work of God, I'm talking about work that brings God glory, work that brings God Listen to me, we're not dumb, we're not foolish. We know when we do stuff that doesn't bring God glory. And so he comes to them and says, consider your ways. We saw, first of all, you must acknowledge the problem. You must acknowledge the problem. But then I want you to notice, secondly, not only do you need to acknowledge the problem, and last week we talked about 
assessing the predicament, abandoning the procrastination. Remember I said last week, you can't keep putting stuff off. Huh? You, if, if you're going to do right, you need to just go ahead and do right. And then adhering to the preaching. Because it comes from a divine source with a definitive substance about it. But number two, don't just acknowledge the problem. Just for a few moments today. Adjust your priorities. Say that with me. Come on, talk to me one more time. Let's take the volume up a little bit about double and see if we can really say it. Say it again. Hmm. Look at the text, please. Amen. Verse number four. Matter of fact, go back to verse two first. So let's look at, let's look at God speaking. And he's going to make a contrasting statement. Verse two. Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, read it together. This people say, the time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. I want you to emphasize on the phrase, the time has not come. Say it with me. The time is not. Say it again. The time has not come. Emphasize not. Say it again. The time is not hmm. Now, verse number four. So God asked a question. Well, if it's not time to build my house, verse 4, in essence, he's saying, is it time to build yours? Here's what's happening. They're coming back to Jerusalem, and the house of God broke down, but their houses are built up. So, 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 so he said, ye live in your sealed houses. You make sure you got a roof, but you're not concerned about the roof on God's house. He said, you're renovating where you live, but you're not renovating where I'm worshipped. You're taking care of you, but you're not taking care of me. You're doing what's good for you, but you're not doing what's best for me. You're making sure you sleep well, but you're not making sure the house of God is well. you doing, listen to me, you're working, but you're only working for that which benefits yourself. So here's what God said. If it's not time to do anything for me, then explain to me why you have time to do something, do so much for yourself. So quickly today, let me give you two thoughts. Self-centered pursuits and spiritual passion. Self-centered pursuits and spiritual passion. Verse number four, look at it again. Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses and this house, house lieth waste? You know what I found out about the people of God? We have time to do what we want to do. Um, you know, we said this morning, a lot of the people of God are tired. You know, this is Sunday about 12.02. There are people all over Northern Virginia that are tired. And they ain't do nothing for God. See, if you live in this area and you're not tired, you're weird. You don't even have to work to get tired. Just leave your house, get in your car, and get on that God-forsaken thing called I-95. And it's only a matter of time before you're going to be tired. 
That's why it's the first thing God's going to blow up when he destroys the, new, destroys the world, a new heaven and a new earth. And listen, it cannot be a good earth where Jesus rules if it still has 95, all right? The Austins on Friday will wave to I-95, all right? So everybody's tired. L- listen, listen. Go down the road and knock on some houses. There are some people that will club until 3 in the morning. They're tired. There are folks that have time. They have time to do their thing. They Listen, listen, listen. They have time for golf. They have time for shopping. They have time for video games. They have money to spend on the lottery, but they don't have time and resources for the work of God. I'm trying to ask you something this morning. I'm trying. Did your house save you from hell? Did your car redeem you from sin? Did the jackpot show up when nobody else could? The next time you devote your resources somewhere, you might want to devote them to the somebody who saved your soul. So today I just want to challenge you briefly. What is it that you're pursuing for yourself that disallows you to do something for God? Some people are very energetic for work. Very lackadaisical for church. Very engaged in their favorite show. Totally disengaged from reading their Bible. In tune with every tweet, every TikTok video. But spend all day and never check in with God. Don't miss a mortgage payment. But don't even think about tithing. Here's the message from God through the man of God to all of us. Consider your ways. What what are you doing? By the way, by the way, how many of you believe that God wants us to enjoy life? So, so, So listen, when I say you're engaged in things. We're engaged. They're, they're not bad. There's nothing wrong with shopping and golfing and having a good time and playing sport. There's nothing wrong with that. What's wrong is when we got time for that but no time for God. Amen. Amen. Let, 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 let's make sure that, that, that we're not engaging all of our investment in things that won't matter. A couple of weeks, we'll come back to this passage and we'll look at the, the results of doing things uh, outside of God and how they don't bring about fulfillment. Isn't it amazing how Jesus can take five loaves and two fish and feed 5,000 and yet somehow somebody like Solomon with all those riches ended up with vanity. It's amazing how when it's done for the devil, it comes up with nothing and a little bit done with God feeds 5,000 and got 12 baskets left over. We better be careful. When we'd say, well, I don't have it. But clearly we have it. It's amazing how tight we get with the things of God and how liberal we are for ourselves.
Be careful. And nowadays, anything you say, you better make sure it's either true, huh, or you don't say it. Because that which you used to say that was readily accepted because you said it is now as equally readily verified or unverified. You tell people you broke, then you post everything you bought, you're in trouble. You tell people you're busy for the work of God, then you post lying on the beach, you're in trouble. Huh? You tell people you were working uh, mandatory and couldn't come to church, but yet you post a TikTok video shaking and moving during church time, we know you're lying. It's not that we don't have time. It's not that we don't have resources. It's that we don't love God. Self-centered pursuit. No spiritual passion. The house lieth waste. Mm. Don't be a child of God. That's allergic to work. We were in the basement for the youth conference a couple days ago, and I can't remember who it was, but one of the workers said, it was time to go up for service, and one of the workers said to the teenagers, the last person sitting down here has to clean up. (laughs) Was that you, Sharon? Sharon? And my line, Sharon, did they scatter like roaches? <laughs> like you were the exterminator. Now, we know in jest, these teenagers, but, but, but you know what? That's how some Christians live. Amen. Amen. Hey, listen. Let, let, listen. Let's not have time for carnivals and no time for visitation. Let's not have resources to eat out at every restaurant, but no resources to give to missions. Let's not have energy for a football game where our guys are playing every Sunday night and no energy for a worship service where our Savior is being lifted up. Don't get quiet on me. I'm trying to end this message. I'm... I'm finna go on vacation, but I'll put it off an hour or so. (laughs) This is where we all have to work. Because we jump for everybody, don't we? Jump. And by this past week, God forbid I I rebuke you altogether because you proved, you proved. I mean, I just talked about somebody driving down four hours to put up a... Hey, you think God doesn't see that? You think God sees... So much, well, just about two by fours. And, and let me tell you something. 
It does something for a conference when teenagers walk in and see decoration. It makes them more engaged. So let me tell you something. Don't tell me there's nothing you can do. Listen, you don't have to preach and teach and sing to be involved in work. You may be putting in two by four. You may be watching a baby. Listen to me. Those vans that, that weren't working well on air condition, Brother Dean Lewis came up on Wednesday and charged them up with Freon so kids could ride down to King's Dominion in air condition. I'm just telling you, they were men that were pulling trash and baking. Listen to me. Some of our seasoned saints. They ain't coming out here on a Wednesday night and staying to a service at 1030, but they were baking stuffed shells and cooking take cakes so that kids could raise money so that they could hear the gospel of the Lord. I'm just telling you, if you love God, put your money where your mouth is. Put your feet where your mouth is. You can get involved in something. It's just amazing. We can all do something. We can, we can all do something. And listen to me, we can all do more. But, but listen to me. Get this and I'm done. It's a matter of priorities. One of these times I'm going to preach through Malachi. Malachi said, say unto your governors. Here, here's what he's saying. Tell your boss what you tell God. Show up late to work like you consistently do to the things of God. See if you keep your job. Hit and miss on your on your mortgage like you do on your giving to God. See if you keep your house. What a shame we treat our bosses better than we treat our creator. I mean, people stay up all night for a work project. The last time you prayed all night. Oh, I tell you, it's been a long week in the work of God. People work long weeks every week for Caesar. Don't you think God deserves it? So, so today, we're going to have to make some adjustments of our prayer. You have to get your, get, your, get your notebook out this week. And, and write down how much time I put into everything I do. Uh, years ago, there was a stat that said 11 hours and 28 minutes a day represented the time, the average amount of time that a teenager spends on some form of social media. 11 hours and 28 minutes. And then you walk downstairs and they tell you they didn't have time to clean their room. Watch it now, parents. We don't understand how kids that play video games for hours don't have time to clean their room. And you know what we say? That's crazy. Don't play that game till you clean your room. But you know what? God's a father too. So we need to start holding ourselves to the expectation as God's children that we hold of our own preach pastor, of our own physical children. Because if we expect them to do what we say, we need to do what he says. Now, therefore, thus saith the Lord. That was weak. We ain't going to make everybody put their phone out and put it on flip screen and look at yourself. But we could. But every single one of us needs to say it to ourselves. Consider you. We, we act like when we do something strenuous or sacrificial for, for God, that, that he should reward us and be proud of us. Paul said this is reasonable service. 
four hours out in the sun doing the things we do every week. It's a sacrifice. If we can do it for ourselves, we better start doing it for God. Our Father, thank you for your word. Help us, strengthen us to be what we ought to be. For your glory and our good. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Pastor, God spoke to me about my priorities. God spoke to me this morning, today. God spoke to me. Put your hand up. Some already have their hand. God spoke to me. Now listen, nobody can adjust your priorities but you. Nobody can adjust your priorities but you. And you've got to determine by the grace of God, you're going to change them. Listen, listen, you've got to get practical. You can put your hands down. If you can't read your Bible consistently and you know you need to start your day with the Bible, then your answer might not be, oh, I need to learn how to love the Bible more. Your answer might be, I need to go to bed earlier. You've got to get practical with yourself. I've got to fix something to enable me to do something that I know is right. I mean, look, look my day starts at, at, at 5. I'm a Los Angeles Lakers fan. Some of them games I'm just not watching. They're on the West Coast. They come on. They don't go off at 1030. They come on at 1030. Now I'm going to make up my mind. Do I want to watch the Lakers or do I want to get up refreshed for God? Well, don't you want to be a loyal fan? Yeah, I record it and watch it later during the day. It's a matter of whether or not God's that important to me. Well, I'd like to give more to missions. Then you've got to spend less somewhere else. Maybe I could give $23 for 23 weeks if I, if I tried. Maybe I could tie 52 weeks if I tried. Especially if God says he'll open up the windows of heaven and pour me out a blessing. He's waiting on me to adjust my priorities. Thank you for being here. I wonder if there's anyone today who says, I'm not sure I'm going to heaven, but I, want to, I don't want to go to hell. Please pray for me. I'm not sure if I died tonight, I'd go to heaven, but I'm sure I don't want to go to hell. Please pray for me. Anybody like that, would you raise your hand? Anybody like that? Let's be in a spirit of prayer. Won't you won't, instead of just saying, God, I need to adjust my priorities, let's make some adjustments right now. Get practical. Come back to this message later when you get some time and say, here's where I can adjust. I can change this. I can fix this. I can cut this back. Because if I, 
if I keep talking about it and don't do anything about it, ain't nothing going to change. Now, Lord, honor your word and your people. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All over the building, let's give God the praise today.